What's up, CWC? Come on, it is Big Church Sunday. Can you guys help me appreciate them this morning? Man, we want our kids to know we love them and appreciate them. Did you know the Bible says this, that a man who fills his quiver full of them, come on, is blessed. That's what the Bible says. I'm telling you, some of you take that mandate seriously. This is why we have a decent-sized children's ministry, which we say thank you for that. Because, man, that means as a church family, God calls us blessed. Amen. Amen. It's a, it's a tragedy. I get to see other churches and, and visit other places and see they, they don't have any kids in their, in their church. And so, man, I thank God for our children's ministry and all those who, who help with that and, and help lead our kids into the presence of God. And it's exciting to have them up here today to experience worship with us and the word of God with us. It's so very important uh, that, we, that we do that. And so, man, yeah, kids are a blessing. Now, look, some days I got to tell myself that like multiple times throughout the day because one of my two kids is a little more rowdy than the other. But no, it's, it's true, man. It's true. But listen, we're not going to waste any more time. We're going to hop right into it, get right to it because kids have a hard time sitting for long periods of time. Someone will give me an amen. Amen. <clears throat> amen. And so the title of today's message is The Miracle of Family. Come on, say that with me. The Miracle of Family. Now tell your neighbor, thank God I have a family. Thank God I have a family. Yeah. You know, I was was talking to the Lord uh, last Monday. Not that that's the only time I talked to the Lord was last Monday, but just for what I'm saying. So... I was talking to the Lord last Monday, and I was, I was asking God, engaging with God, God, where do you want us to go on Sunday? Because typically the way my week works is I preach two times and then get done, go home, eat lunch, hang out just for a couple hours, and then begin to search the heart of the Father. Like, what do you want for your people? What do you want for your church family, God? And I felt like God spoke one word to me, and that was family. That's what he said, Family. And, and I got to be honest with you, when he first spoke to him, I was like, God, that's a really vast subject. Like the entire Bible is about, is about family. But then I started to really press into the Lord and, and God started to show me something, started to show me how a lot of us have a very limited view of family. We got a very limited view when it comes to family. For instance, I bet the moment that I said family, automatically, a lot of people started to think about mother, brother, sister, right? Aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, kids, and et cetera, so forth, and, and so on, right? Some people thought that. Other people thought about holiday parties, right? Getting together with quote, unquote, family and celebrating the holidays. Others would think about game nights, right? Getting together and having game nights. And I'll tell you a quick story. This past Friday, my mother-in-law decided to post a picture of our family playing Yahtzee. The moment she sent that picture out, I got multiple text messages from dear friends of mine because I was missing in the picture. And they said, and they knew what I was preaching on. And they said, oh, so you're going to preach about family on Sunday, but then leave your family on Friday and not play Yahtzee. And, you know, I was like, look, here's the truth, okay? They say pictures speak a thousand words. Sometimes you need them to speak 1,200 words because a thousand just isn't enough, right? Because I was like, what the picture doesn't capture was the first couple hours that I was there eating dinner, playing four games of Candyland. Not that I'm defending my position (laughs) and not that I feel like I need to or anything like that, but 
But that's not the point. <clears throat> the point is, when I, when I said the word family, a lot of people think of that. Getting together with family and, and playing board games. And others, when, they, when you say family, they view it as getting together, having barbecues, right? And, and some people's view of family isn't limited to mother, brother, sister, dad, you know, those, all, all those people, etc. right? It's not limited to that. Matter of fact, they would say that, that those who are close to them, right, who they do life with, that is their, that would be their, their family. And, and not that those things are, are bad things, obviously. And it's not as if those things don't go into creating our view of family because obviously, obviously they do. But those things are still a very limited view of family. And, and when, when the church thinks about church family, what, what we would think about when we would say that, we would say, well, you know, Sunday mornings we come together as a church family. We meet together during the week for connect groups. We, we have church picnics, right? We, we do outreach together. This would be the way most people in church would describe the church family. Again, all good things, all great things, but still very limited View and hear me when I when I when I say the word limited, I'm not meaning unimportant. I don't want emails this week about how I called people's families unimportant. That's not at all what I'm saying. Obviously, mom and dad and and, and your close friends and all those people are very important, right? Sunday mornings are important. Connect groups are important. Barbecues and game nights and all those things are important, but they are still a very limited view of family. <clears throat> Especially when we talk about God's view of family. And something we must understand is this, that family is God's desire. And we see it throughout the scripture. I mean, we see it throughout the scripture. But, but, but here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. The enemy knows this is God's desire. He knows it. And so he's worked tirelessly to destroy it. Satan has worked so hard to distort the view of a, of a family. And because of that, because of his work and because of him tirelessly going after humanity, trying to pull them out of family, now when you say the word family, some people, some people you know, have, have dysfunction and frustration associated with family. While, while other people, men, just don't even have what you would call a quote-unquote family. And so their view of it is, is hurt and, and pain. And so there's this, this vast spectrum when people say family and how people, people view that. And no matter what side of the spectrum that we find ourselves on today, whatever the view was when we walked in here today, most of us would have a very limited view on what family is. And, and so today I'm just going to share with you a little bit about what God shared with me when it, when it comes to the view of family. I want to give you a macro view, if you will, a, a larger view, a larger picture, God's view of family, while also speaking about the micro view, our limited view of family, and, and how the micro fits in to that macro, right? How, how, the, how the micro points to the macro, how how the micro should be contributing to the macro and highlighting our limited view of family should be highlighting God's view of family. And my hope is today that when we leave here, we're going to leave with a, a better understanding 
of how God views family, with a, with a, a clearer view of family, and also to, to know how we go about being a part of God's family, bringing about God's desire for a family. And so first off, what we've, we've got to realize today is this, that God is and was and will always be a picture-perfect family. He is family in and of himself. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three separate entities, but working in perfect harmony, always moving in perfect unity. Always, all three of them. He himself displays for us what a family is to look like. Perfect unity. And because of his perfect unity, he's going to reign and rule for all of eternity. There will be no end to his kingdom ever, ever, ever. And so, listen, this is what has to frame our perspective when we're reading the scripture. It has to be the lens in which we, we view family through. Let me say it this way, maybe a little simpler way. God is family because he is perfect unity. That's why he is family, because he's in perfect unity. You know, Jesus says on multiple different occasions throughout the scriptures, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The Father and I are one. We are a family. We're family. And look, look, God is so good. He's so good that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit decided to create us to be a part of his, his family. See, God's desire is for us to be his family and for his family to rule and reign on the earth. That's God's desire. And it's been his desire from the very beginning of time. And if you open the Bible to Genesis chapter 1, right, at the very beginning, God begins speaking, and that begins revealing what he is desiring, what he's desiring for us and what he's desiring from us as well. And so in Genesis 1, he starts off by creating the heavens and the earth. And, and, and look, something that I found very fascinating here when I, was, when I was reading this again for the hundredth time, right? I love how God just continues to unravel the scriptures for us and the mysteries of his teaching us something brand new every time we open up his word. But as I was reading what he was speaking and he's revealing what he's desiring, right? Before that happens, the earth was formless and void. It was empty and dark. It was hopeless and absolutely fruitless, and I started to think about something. I started to think about, isn't that just the way we are? We're the same exact way before we know what God desires for us. See, until we realize his desires for us, right? His desire to redeem us, his desire to, 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 his desire to, to multiply us, to make us a part, of, a part of his family and use us for his glory. Before we realize that, we're formless and void. We're empty and dark. We're hopeless and fruitless until we realize that, man, he has a, he's got a plan for our lives, plans to 
prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope in a future. And the moment that his desires become real to us, like they're real, we can touch it, we can taste it, taste and see that the Lord is good, man. They become real to us, man. We go from, from being formless to being formed like clay in the potter's hands. That's what starts to take place when we realize his desires for us. We go from, from, from void to filled, from empty to overflowing. We go from walking in the darkness to walking in the light as he is in the light. We go from hopeless to, to hopeful, man. Our lives full of hope. When we finally understand God's desires for us, we go from fruitless to being fruitful for the kingdom of heaven. It's amazing. Come on, tell your neighbor, thank God I have a family. Thank God I have a family. And see, in Genesis chapter 1, right, Genesis chapter 1, God's revealing what he's desiring by the things that he begins speaking. And so you have day 1 through day 5, and he's creating the heavens and the earth. He's forming what's formless. He's filling what was once empty. But then he gets to day 6, and he, and he kind of shifts the program a little bit. He does something different than he had done up to this point through the first five days. He gets to, to day six. And in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says this, that God said, someone shout God said. God said. God said, let us, and I love that, let us, plural, by the way, plural, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us, let our family Create mankind. Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. Man, how awesome is that? See, see, this is, is revealing that God desires for us to look like him, act like him, talk like him, be exactly like him. And, and so we, we've got to remember that we've already established that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. They're in perfect unity. Matter of fact, Jesus says it a slightly different way. He says, I only do what I see my father do. I only say what I, what I hear my, my father say. Reiterating this fact, because it's important for us to understand that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost are completely in perfect unity, making them the perfect family. And so this is God's desire for humanity from the very beginning. He's revealing it to us in Genesis Chapter one, and this is why he says, let us, plural, make mankind, again, plural. Let us, plural, let my family make mankind, plural, all of them, a family in our image and in our likeness. Then he goes on to reveal why. Why does he want to do that? So that they may rule and reign. Praise the Lord. So that they may rule and reign. This is his, his desire. And this is even before he creates man, actually. He hasn't even created him yet. He's just, he's just kicking the idea around with his family. He's talking to his family about the direction that they all want to go. And then after he says that, he begins to form man out of dust, the Bible says. He forms them out of dust. He breathes the breath of life in their nostrils, and bam, the man is made alive, just like God is alive because he's the God of the living, not the dead. Amen. And then God, after he creates man, after he creates man, he says this. He says, let us 
make for him a suitable mate because it's not good for man to be alone. Let us, again, plural, make him a suitable mate. It's not good for, for him to be alone. See, we're created for family. <laughs> we're created for it. And so what does God do? God puts Adam into a deep sleep. The Bible says he pulls out one of his ribs from his body, creates a woman from the man, right? And God says to both of them, he gives them both this mandate. He says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion. I want you to have family so that you can rule and reign in perfect unity on the earth for me. This is, this is God's desire from the very beginning. He wanted to duplicate his family on the earth as it is in heaven. His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. This was his, his desire by creating humanity. So that our family would be his family. Creating just one big happy family. Operating in perfect, perfect unity. Tell your, tell your neighbor again, thank God I have a family. Thank God I have a family. We're going to say that a couple of times. Maybe a couple more. I don't know yet. But guess what happens right after God does that and he speaks that to, to, to Adam and Eve. Right after he does, man. Showing, this, showing them this incredible desire he has for family. Right after that, mankind screws it all up. Praise God. Right? Which is pretty typical of people. Maybe not you, but I'll take that on myself because it is for me. Mankind screws it up. Adam and Eve sin against God by disobeying God. And their disobedience created a division between them and heaven. Between heaven and earth. It created a division between man and God. It also created a division between each other. Because if, if you know the story, right? Right after they, they screw up and, and sin against God, they begin the blame game. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, my kids are doing it all the time. Like, no, 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 Abishai did it. No, no, Isabel did it. Yeah. But they start the blame game and they start pointing at each other. They start pointing at the serpent. They even start pointing at God. Like, no, no, God, it was the serpent. It was the woman you gave me. No, no, God, it was the serpent you created. They start blaming each other. And from that moment forward, God's desire for family to rule and reign on the earth was put on hold. It was put on pause. Boop. God had to pause it. And in order to right our wrongs, in order to bring about the family that God desires, the Father sends the Son to die for the sins of the world. Removing the division created by man. This is what Jesus did for us. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus simply saying this, no one can be a part of God's family unless they receive me and live for me and give their lives to me. And this is the, the ultimate reason that the Father sent the Son. The ultimate reason. This is why he, the, the Creator became like those He created and then died for those He created. To restore Family. That's why he did it. 
Matter of fact, the Bible says this. Did you know the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam? The last Adam. Because the first Adam screwed it all up, screwed up the family. That's what he did. And so the last Adam had to fix what the first Adam had screwed up. Because Jesus came and restored what Adam had destroyed, which was, which was family. Jesus did, did exactly what he did to make a way when there seemed to be no way for us to be a part of God's family. And I want you to think about that for a moment because the gravity of this, I think, goes over our heads a lot of times or we just don't pick up on what God is trying to put down for us to, to live by and to, to be encouraged by. But think about this. God's desire for family is so great that he gave up his one and only begotten son just so that whoever would believe in him would never perish but have everlasting life. That anyone, no matter where they're from, no matter what they've done, none of it even matters just as long as they could be added to God's family. This is how much God desires family. Could you imagine giving up one of your children so that strangers could come and be a part of your family? Really? For people who have sinned against you and not wanted anything to do with you, mean to you, <laughs> killed you, right? Like, send your only son so that they could be added to the family. And let's talk about just for a moment here. We're going to talk about how our family fits into God's family. Hopefully bring this thing all back together. Amen. You with me? We're going to talk about how this micro view of family fits into the macro view of family for a moment. And can I have the picture, please, of my family? There's my family. For me personally, yeah, okay, praise God, yeah, platform. Awesome. That's my family, right? That's my Eve, Julie, except she doesn't offer me things God don't want me to have. <clears throat> yeah. It's my beautiful wife. She helps lead worship up here, obviously, if you recognize her. And then that's our beautiful daughter, Isabel, who is 11. She'll be, she'll be 12. She's an incredible blessing to our family. And that's our little dude. Abishai is his name. And if you're wondering how we came up with that name, it's because God spoke that name to me. He said, I want you to name him Abishai. And it made sense because of the background, right? We had been praying for a son, and we believed God spoke to us, and then God said that name. I looked it up. It means a father's gift. Amen. And I'm telling you, he is the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> even, if it's not, even if it's not the gift I'm really wanting. I mean, he's still going to give it to me. Um, no, but, but no, man. They're, they are a true, a true blessing. I, I got to admit, though, when God spoke to me the name, it was funny, right? I was like, what, God? Abishai. Like, do you know where we're from? That's Middle Eastern. We're Northeastern America. Like, we're so white, we reflect the sun. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying. Like, we're just, it's the way God made us. And it's cool. It is what it is. But, but no, God was like, no, I want you to name him Abishai. And, and listen, for us, for our family, for our personal family, our micro view of family, man, we love to hang out together. My wife and my kids, we enjoy it. We enjoy playing board games together. We enjoy movies together. Um, we just enjoy being together. We like dance because our Isabel is an incredibly talented little dancer. We also like sports. I'm going to blame it on Abishai why we like sports and not on myself. But um, yeah, these are the things that we, we enjoy. And, and, and we're also very close to our extended family, I guess what, what you would call them, right? Family is so many faceted, right? It's so fast, multifaceted. 
but we're also very close with our extended family. Man, we do, we do family dinners all the time, and, and man, we, we do every holiday basically together, and I'm telling you, when I say every holiday, we find an excuse for a holiday to get together. Like we're, somebody's going through a calendar saying, oh yeah, President's Day, right? Like let's do a cookout on President's Day, and we, we pull Uncle Scott in to be our grill master, but, but that's our family, right? And that's just a small snippet of our family, and, and your family may look a little bit different than, than my family. Your, your family may do things a little bit differently and enjoy things differently than, than we do, but, but at the end of the day, God's desire for your family and for my family is no different. It's absolutely, there's, there's absolutely no difference. Even if we've got different last names, even if we have a different race, even if we, we speak a different language because we're from a different country, God's desire is not different. His desire remains the same for your family and my family to be a part of his family. His desire for our family is to contribute and to highlight his family on the earth by being in complete unity. That's his desire. And, and listen to me. Here's the, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Your family is your responsibility. Your family is your responsibility. It's not mine. A lot of times people want to put the responsibility of their family on the pastor. It's not my, it's not my responsibility. Do I have responsibility of what I preach from this pulpit and teach from this pulpit? Sure I do. Do I got a responsibility of where we're going as a church family to make sure I'm hearing clearly from God and leading you the way I feel? God, sure, that, that's absolutely true. But your personal family is your responsibility. It's not mine. It's yours. How you lead your family, how you are training your kids in the ways of the Lord, you will answer for. Not me. You'll answer for that. And did you guys know this? Did you know this? That men are to be the spiritual leaders of their homes? Are you guys aware of this fact that men are to be the spiritual leaders of their home? The enemy's aware of it, whether we're aware of it or not. And because he is aware of it, he has distorted it extremely bad. He's gotten men to believe in the lie that, that it's the wife's job to take the kids to church and it's my job to go do work. This is what he's done. It's the wife's job to read the Bible to the kids. It's my job to go teach the kids how to play sports. It's the women's job to teach our kids how to worship. It's the women's job to do those churchy type things, to help in children's ministry and do these, all these other different things. It's one of the greatest lies the enemy has perpetrated on mankind. One of the greatest lies. And it's done major damage to the family. Major damage. See, because men don't go after Jesus the way they are supposed to go after Jesus. Man, we find kids without no dads at all. They're, they don't even have a dad. Single mothers trying to do everything on their own. Because men have advocated their duty, forfeited their duty in the family. Listen, men, if, if, hear me. Listen, men, men, hear me. If you're not praying for your babies, if you're not praying for your babies, the enemy is praying on your babies. Meaning this, if you aren't P-R-A-Y-I-N-G-ing for your families, the enemy is P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. He is praying on your family. He is. 
The men need to start being the men that God desired them to be, raising their families in the ways of the Lord, fighting for our families by getting on our knees, beholding the King of Kings, and becoming what we are beholding. The Bible says we'll become what we behold. And when we lay before him and behold him, we become more like him. You know, it's crazy to me, right? Because right now there's this big scuttlebutt inside the military right now. It's this big scuttlebutt, right? Men are really up in arms, man. They're frustrated that women are gonna be a part of the combat units and they're fighting it with everything that is within them. And it's crazy to me because they're fine with the women doing the fighting spiritually when it comes to their homes. It's insane. It's insane. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers and heavenly places. Men, we gotta get on our face. We gotta be the ones fasting and praying for our families. If the men start loving Jesus the way we're supposed to love Jesus, man, we'll see a protection start to form around the family. I promise you that. Family will move in a perfect unity and unison with heaven because it's the way that God desires it to be because he said it. So that's the way it has to, has to take place. And hear me, when we're talking about how our micro view of family fits into the macro, how, how, do we, how do we go about being a family and being a part of God's family, our family being a part of his? Super simple things, man. It's not that difficult, actually. One, get in the word together with your family. Start reading the Bible together on a daily basis in the word of God. Start training our kids how to worship and enter into the presence of God by flipping on some worship music instead of watching TV in another sporting event and saying, okay, Jesus, show up. Teach us how to worship you. Laying our hands on our kids, man, and calling down heaven to protect them. Calling down heaven to, to fill them with the presence of, of God. Praying for heaven to to teach us how to direct them so that they'll never depart from him. That's, that's how our family contributes to his family and becomes a part of his family. And then when our personal families start to look like this and operate this way, we all come in together in here, right? Because now we're all operating the way we're supposed to be at home. Then we come in to the church. And then, man, the church family moves in authority. You know, and I was thinking about that, right? I was thinking about that, how we're in this series, House of Miracles, which by the way, it's great. It's beautiful. It's great. And we should be praying and believing for miracles like we've been teaching the past 16 weeks. Yeah, man, we need to be praying and believing for these things, for healings and signs and wonders, because this is what God does. When Jesus shows up, he performs miracles. That's what he does. He's a miracle working God. But as I was engaging with the Lord about this, God said to me, he said, he said, man, people are asking for my glory but can't even get along with their spouse. I said, man, Lord. People are asking for me to send my presence upon them, but then treat their kids like they're a nuisance. I'm like, wow. The church asking me for, for miracles, but then argue over theology, <laughs> but then split off in different denominational barriers, and, but yet asking me for my authority, 
The church asking for signs and wonders, but yet have all kinds of disunities. Disunity over race, disunity over culture, a bunch of disunity, whether to wear a mask, not wear all this other nonsense right now. Having disunity. Did you know Revelation chapter seven shows a picture of the family of God? Revelation chapter seven, it's beautiful. John, he sees it, he says, I was looking and I seen this great multitude, this great family. He said, and they were standing before the throne of God, worshiping the lamb. And I seen people from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. Man, God's family is very diverse with no disunity. Jesus wiping everything away that would divide us, even in our day and age, right now. Jesus removes those things. Galatians chapter three says that the family of God, in the family of God, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's not even male or female. All are one in Christ Jesus. This is how much God wants his family to be unified and we have to have unity in order to even operate in God's family. We have to. And the Lord, as I was engaging with the Lord on all this, God took me to Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20. And we've read a version of this multiple times throughout this series, right? And Jesus says this, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on the earth about anything, someone shout anything, anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, in unity, I'll be in the midst. I'll be there. Then he reminded me of Ephesians chapter four, verse two through five. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Because there's one body, one spirit, just as you also were called into one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all who is over all, through all, and in and in all. And the Lord said to me, he said, I will send my glory when you have unity in your personal family. When you have unity in your home, I'll send my authority. When you have unity in the church, then I'll send my glory and my authority upon the church. When the church becomes perfectly unified. And let me tell you something, a day is coming, a day is coming where pressing is gonna get so hard that you won't be able to make it on your own. This is the goal. This is God working all things together for our good. The pressing will get so hard and so tight that you'll have to link arms with your church. You'll have to link arms because you won't make it without him. It's coming. Why is it gonna come? Because God desires unity above all else. He desires family. A lot of times we start looking out at the world as if they are gonna dictate when God comes back. Like, oh, it's getting so bad, God has to come back. Did you know that's not actually what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches that when the bride becomes one without spot, blemish, or wrinkle, he'll return for a bride who is in perfect unity operating as a family on the earth. Then they will rule and reign on the earth. This is God's desire for family. This is his view 
This is his view of family. It's so much bigger than just mom, dad, brothers, sisters. People we like and we do life with, although they're, they're great. I love them. But it's so much bigger than that. We've got to start operating the way God tells us to operate in our personal families. Leading our families, men. Wives being there with your husbands. And you two walking together through this thing called life. Living for Christ. Then God's authority will be displayed on the earth through us. To show the world who God is. And God's desire for family. God's all about family. He's all about it. To the point to where he is called our father. Think about that. He's so concerned with family that we call him our father. He's so concerned with family, he calls us the bride of Christ. And Christ is the bridegroom. Signifying family. And I don't care what the world says. You got to have a a man and a woman. You got to have a bride and a bridegroom to create family. The world's trying to completely rename it. The enemy knows what he's doing. This is how he's trying to destroy family. And look, no matter, no matter what view we walked in here with today about family, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, or maybe even indifferent, what we've got to understand is God desires us to be a part of his family. He desires us to be a part of his family. Matthew chapter 12, and I'm getting ready to close. But Matthew chapter 12, there's this scene taking place with Jesus. And these people that are around and Jesus is teaching in a, in a house. And he's at a house church trying to build family. And he's in there teaching them. And these people run up and they say, hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You, you know, your mother and brother, they're outside. And they want to work with you. Your family is outside. You ought to leave, leave them and go, go be with your family. This was their view of family. Jesus looks at them and says this, who is my brother? Or who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to the disciples. Pointing to the disciples. He said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of the Father in heaven are my brother and sister and mother. He was trying to shift the view of family. Trying to broaden the view of family. And so whether or not we have a a, a quote-unquote family like some would think of it. Jesus says this, that if we do the will of the Father, we will be part of the greatest family that humanity will ever know, the family of God. In John chapter 17, right? And this is, I'm closing right here, I promise. John chapter 17. Now you gotta realize when Jesus, right before Jesus says this, right before he prays this, because he's getting ready to go to the cross. He's, he's getting ready to die for the sins of the world, man. He's getting ready to, to go. And he prays this final prayer in John 17. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. It's not just for the disciples. It's, it's not just for the family right here in front of me. No, no, no. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that they may be one as we are 
one, telling us it's possible for us to be unified. That's what that's saying. It's possible through the Holy Spirit for us to be in unity. I am in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. God desires for our families to operate in perfect unity, displaying his family to all of humanity. Then his authority will be given to us to rule and reign on this earth with him. That is God's view of family. Come on and stand to your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Lord, I thank you for each and every person within the sound of my voice, whether they're watching online or right here. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would quicken even our mortal bodies to live in the place of unity because it cannot be by power nor by might, but it has to be by your spirit, Jesus. And I pray right now that there would be a desire, a hunger, and a thirst to come after you like never before. That we would start to make time, to spend time with you, Jesus, with our families. Praying together, reading the word of God together. Worshiping you, Jesus, together. I pray that would start to break out in each and every one of of these people's lives that are here today. And Lord, I pray that you would even use the kids, God, as accountability to us parents to remind us, mom, dad, it's time to worship Jesus. Mom, dad, it's time to pray. Mom, dad, it's time to to grab the word of God. I pray you would use our children to help us to be accountable, to remain in unity. I thank you for that today, Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray we would realize that this is your desire and fight with everything in us to bring about your desires on the earth. Stop being so concerned with our desires, but solely focused on yours. I pray that, Lord. I pray that. And if you could, if you got kids near you, but... If you don't got no kids near you, just lay your hand on your children, please. I was going to call your kids up, but we're super tight on time. So just lay your hands on your kiddos. If you got no kids beside you, lay your hand on your neighbor. I know it's a little racy during COVID, but it's okay. It's okay. It's a foreign concept right now. Touching each other, praise God. Lord, I thank you for every child represented here this morning. I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for all the different families represented in this place today. And I thank you that right now, your spirit is filling each and every one of these children right now. And right now, God, we all come into agreement that you would protect them from the schemes of the enemy. 
that God, right now, you are developing a hunger and a fire deep within them to only want you, Jesus, for the rest of their days, that they will never stray, but God, be solely fixed and focused on you. Holy Spirit, we pray for an increase in their lives right now. Hallelujah. Touch our children. Keep them safe. God, we pray. We pray health over them. Hallelujah. Your divine health on these children, Jesus. And our kids that aren't up here today, God, we pray for them too. Lord, we lift them up. Protect our babies, Jesus. Protect them, protect them. Health, 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 God. And Lord, I lift up every parent in this place. I pray, God, that you would teach them how to raise their kids for you. Holy Spirit, give them wisdom and revelation. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom and revelation to raise my babies for you. And Lord, I lift up those here today that that perhaps don't have what we would think of or what some view family is to be. God, I lift them up to you right now so that right now by the Spirit, you are showing them that they are a part of your family, that you're drawing them closer and closer to you right now. And I pray they would find encouragement there. They would find refuge there and peace, God, in that place. Jesus, we thank you that you made a way for us to be a part of God's family this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.